Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Back. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm Ethan Hatcher filling in alongside Tony Kennett. We're starting out this hour with the saga of Santos ever evolving in its convolution. Beta male Beto O'Rourke caught in a cover up and Democrat mayor of uh, New York City crying foul over Obama administration policies. Thanks for listening to Tony Katz today. Let's get started. Okay, Tony, have you followed the saga of George Santos at all? This dude is a shame to I congressional really, Republicans. I like, really I, have not wanted to follow. I mean, I look at we him. we should. We should hold our party to a standard. I think it's kind of important here to examine the dishonesty and buffoonery of this clown, call it out, and shame him out of the, out of the party. Well, yeah, but, you know, beating a dead horse. I, I, I don't know. I, like, I it, he's, just, he's embarrassing, and it, it really, at this point, I don't know. It's one of those things Did you that, hear his Jew-ish comment oh well i i didn't say that i was jewish i said i was jew ish as in i have affinity with the jewish people yeah he's a disgrace and he's an embarrassment <laughs> and it's it's really awkwardly funny but i'll leave it this way my grandparents I, were holocaust survivors because they were catholic and lived I, in brazil i do not watch the office alone i don't watch the office alone because so much of the cringiness that comes out of michael scott is is realistically uh, it is just too much for me. I don't know. I just can't. I'll watch it with my wife. I'll watch it with friends. But I just can't. It's too awkward on its own to just sit there and watch it. And watching George Santos stuff is like watching Michael Scott get elected to office and try to tell people a bunch of crazy things. It's like Scott's Tots, the campaign. It's cra- I mean, crazy kind of isn't the understatement of the year when it comes to Santos. And this audio actually was made in December, just now coming to light, uh, when he was then congressman-elect appearing on the radio novella Apresenta podcast, which is in Portuguese, and he claimed to have already suffer, uh, uh, suffered and survived an assassination attempt. I mean, considering that he was right next to President Abraham Lincoln in the booth, I'm just glad that he's alive. I mean, to think he was right there in JFK's car as it was traveling through that fateful day. I'm just, I'm amazed that he's here with us too. Okay, so if we can't lambaste the dishonesty of this clown because, you know, it's common knowledge at this point, then I want to get to you. How was this missed? As an investigative journalist in the age of endless 24-hour news cycles and social media coverage in which all the, you know, everywhere people are seeking to dig up dirt and information. How was this missed? He's claiming to have a brain tumor. He's claiming to have graduated from places he never attended school, to have been employed by places that had never hired him. How was it missed? Here's here's my answer. So do you remember when when you were younger? Uh, Wait, when did your house get a computer, its first computer? Mm, probably when I was six in 98 because we okay. got we had a, a yeah, yeah. Compact, so late 90s window, early window 98 yeah yeah that off beige color I know uh-huh. what you're talking about yeah 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 it Dingy sounded ground. like a, a jet taking off when you turned it on mm-hmm. so I remember hearing from my parents actually from from my grandmother she used to tell me she would say don't believe what you see on the computer don't believe what you hear on the internet you know don't believe any of that who knows what's being said on there and now we've we've 
kind of come full circle with a lot of of that generation. So I was I was actually just talking with some of my family about this the other day. The amount of information that people will just believe because they see it on the computer now is is incredible. That has to saturate into real life where someone's like, yeah, I survived an assassination attempt, graduated from 38 colleges, and I can also cook a souffle in my underwear and all at the same time. And you just like, all right, sure, why not? That's our society now. Everything is believable. And that allows clowns like George, old George of the the urban jungle to get elected. And so this fly, this flies because in just a never ending, uh, the the clamor of uh, clap traps, the, 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 it gets lost in the the shuffle. Oh yeah, I mean think about it. I mean I there uh, so there's a there's an old internet joke that uh, you know someone someone might say like well oh, Hillary Clinton invented AIDS. I heard about it on freedomeagle.facebook, and and people just believe it. I mean remember when we were. Uh, Remember when COVID was hitting and you heard all the rumors about 5G, all the towers, the cell towers being upgraded to 5G and it's a government plot to rig the birds with satellite dishes. And it's like, oh, no, that's how George got elected. That's how. People believe anything that they hear these days. Well, you make a valid point in a world of Jewish space lasers. I suppose we have uh, just reached that level you know, of ridiculousness. You know, I have been accused as a, as a conservative journalist, I've been accused of taking hidden secret Jewish money. I have. I have been accused with take big oil money. Uh, I've been accused with taking Russian money. Uh, I've probably been accused of taking Monopoly oh, was that money. Was Charles McGonagall that was accusing you? Oh, there you go. It's <laughs> a nice flashback. Uh, for those who weren't with us earlier on, uh, Charles McGonagall, FBI agent who was investigating uh, President Trump for Russian collusion, was just arrested for uh, money Russian laundering collusion. with the Russian uh, oligarchy, which is just fantastic. Uh, Beto O'Rourke and other news has been caught keeping a put. This is the, this is one of those uh, stories that goes in line with the cover up is worse than the crime because had he just been honest and forthright, it wouldn't be a story. But Beta Male Beto O'Rourke accepted a one million dollar donation from FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried. However, it was returned in November of last year. At which point, O'Rourke spokespeople represented all of it having been given back, given back, but now filings indicate they kept 100000 and supposedly dependent on how the investigation for Freed turns out, they'll be donating this to a charity, but not giving it back to the investors wronged by Bankman Freed. This is ridiculous and wouldn't have been a news story at all had he either A, given all the money back as advertised, or B, just given the money away to the, a charity or to the, the individuals wronged. The, the fact that he tried to cover up a portion of this has made it into a story. Beta male, what you doing? I just don't just... Again, Don't play stupid games, win stupid prizes, and yet people continue <laughs> to play stupid games. Oh, no, I'll get away with it. Oh, no. Yeah, sure, there's, you know, a lot of other people that are getting caught for, you know, utilizing, you know, campaign funds inappropriately for money laundering for the Russian government. But no, we'll just we'll just tell them we're going to give the money back or donate it and, and just keep this $100,000. I mean, it's just $100,000. It's not like it's $600 you or I are transferring to someone else via Venmo, which would get flagged by the IRS. If, if you're a politician, $100,000, that's just pocket change strange choice by the by the o'rourke campaign considering according to their self-described intentions they're not keeping that last hundred thousand hey, dollars they're, they're gonna, giving back that that back too they just kept it in the meantime like why they're gonna need it when he runs for office and loses again <laughs> uh, you, you need a little bit of money left over seventh to start your charm. next failed campaign yeah seventh time's a charm <laughs>
Um, also, um, speaking of uh, Democrats and ridiculous situations, New York City uh, Mayor Eric Adams was on CNN lamenting how unfair it is for Democrat cities to bear the brunt of Democrat immigration policies, which are now resulting in an incredible influx that are stressing their communities. And the audio is just preciously hilarious. How serious is uh, the, the crisis at the border and what what pressures are putting on you as a mayor of New York City? Well, I believe that when I took the trip to the El Paso, you can see firsthand the impact of how it not only uh, harmed the foundation of El Paso, but look at Chicago, <laughs> Houston, Washington, New York City. This is just unfair for cities to uh, carry the weight of a national problem. We're going to open four more uh, hotels, emergency hotels. We have to open Herc's. Uh, this is a major financial impact on New York City and cities across this country that are receiving a brunt of it. Listen to the pearl Man. clutching. Listen, uh, look, what about the Democrat cities? Oh, no. What how, about Chicago? How, wait, why am I reaping all of this stuff that I've sowed? How, wait, are, are these the consequences for my own actions? All of the lobbying and campaigning that I did to keep the borders open? And yeah, those border states, those states will take in all of the illegal immigrants pouring into the country. We'll say we're a sanctuary city and, and sound really morally just and upright. And then cry because immigrants are coming to your city. The same city, by the way, wherein the Statue of Liberty sits saying, bring me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. Oh, it's too much of a financial strain. And then he lists all of the cities he knows, which are like four. He knows four cities total. Like every coastal elitist, they can name four cities, not their own. And he's like, uh, El Paso and Chicago and Washington, D.C., and New York. Yeah, that's all the cities I know. He's, like, counting them on his hand. Uh, so the city that he went to, the only other big city in the country whose name he knows, Chicago, and then the nation's capital. Good job, Eric. Attaboy. Since the beginning of the Biden administration, more than 5.5 million illegal aliens have crossed the border, according to some estimates. So, yes, of course, Democrat Mayor Eric Adams importing more than five times the population of the city of Indianapolis will have adverse effects on the, the uh, social services for your city when people are being imported in such large numbers. That's by jo by go Jove, that's why we have regulated border crossings. That's why we have immigration policy. I like that you you related the number of immigrants to the total population of Indianapolis. That was your metric to set by. You're like, right, we're, we're broadcasting from Indianapolis, and by golly, we're going to equate it to our own population. I, I love I love real life examples. Got to localize the news, Tony. Got to localize. You know, bring that proximity in to the listeners. But, that's, but that's why we get paid the moderate bucks. That's right. <laughs> don't, but don't don't say that we're a sanctuary city. That localizes things in a way that, you know, you'll have Democrat mayors saying, oh, we were just kidding. Well, oh, well, no, don't actually come here. That's Chicago. Lori Lightfoot can deal with that. That's true. That's true. Uh, absolutely. That, goodness gracious. You're listening to Tony Katz today, Ethan Hatcher, and Tony Kinnett filling in. Thanks for joining us, and stay tuned for more, because coming up next... We're going to tell you about some shocking uh, activities in schools across the nation you don't want to miss.
Good afternoon and welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I'm your guest host filling in today, Tony Kinnett, the other Tony, along with Ethan Hatcher. And we've got some, well, some really aggravating and disturbing stuff to share with you, actually. Off the uh, wall. Really strange. uh, And also disturbing, too, because of who's involved and the age of the people. I mean, a six-year-old. This is nuts. So on January 6th, the six-year-old pupil shot and wounded his teacher in uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia. School leaders were warned three times that the boy might have a gun. A lawyer for the teacher said this included a request to search the boy and a report from another child who said the boy had shown him a gun. Uh, The teacher, Abigail Zwerner, age 25, is recovering after being released from the hospital last week in the fallout the school superintendent has now lost his job here is the question that i have for everyone out there that that says that you know what we need to do is you know eliminate guns from existence why is it that we cannot act on a warning why is it that we cannot when when someone says hey this person has a gun and is dangerous we should probably investigate why is that the one thing that we choose to ignore like really like if if a kid comes up to you and says hey this other kid like showed me a gun and uh, said he's gonna use it and what, what does the teacher go, oh, 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 Jimmy, you, oh, you scallywag, and sends him back to his seat. Why do we keep ignoring these warnings? An hour and a half to, uh, had passed before the shooting occurred. At roughly 1230, a teacher had responded, searching the young boy's backpack, didn't find the gun, and said she thought he took it in one of his pockets. That was dismissed because, quote, well, he's got little pockets. Oh, oh, so he right. might have it on his person. So there but was we've warning. Che- we've checked his backpack, though. I mean, man, man, I just. That was warning number one. A half hour later was when this six year old showed the gun or showed the gun to another child and threatened to shoot him if he told, at which point he informed teachers. And then finally, at around 1400, uh, the boy pointed the gun at the, the teacher and fired in the middle of a lesson. So they had multiple opportunities to intervene. What's really disturbing here, though, and I think points to the, the state of our society, is the shootings being described as intentional. This six-year-old, it wasn't an accidental shooting in which he was playing with the gun. He intentionally fired at his teacher and one speculates as to the condition of his upbringing and his home life that would lead a six-year-old this this isn't you know uh, uh somebody who has long trod the uh the, the the wayward path he's six i'm 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 still stuck on yeah. an hour an entire hour going by where and a, a teacher, and, and well, around it says around one o'clock, another teacher reported the boy had shown him a gun and threatened to shoot him if he told. And that, like, so that the teacher had, had had reported this, and an hour later, the boy pointed the gun at at Zwerner and fired it in the middle of a lesson. Okay, I'm first of all, this is a great time for me to point out that parents should be charged along with their kids. Parents should be charged. If you're if you're a parent and your kid goes to school, you should be you should be culpable for that as well i'm again just like the michigan in shooter. advocating for first of all in advocating for corporal punishment myself i do believe that the parents should be flogged along with the child i'm saying seriously you you were done. life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
dumb enough to let your kid go to school with a gun, you deserve to be flogged for it. Hide your, lock up your guns. That's basic gun safety number one. If you're a responsible enough citizen to own a firearm, you should have it locked up so your kid can't get to it. I believe while I was researching uh, this story, it mentioned in the state of Virginia, it's already a crime to leave weapons out uh, in situations where it could cause harm to children under 14. So it's already a chargeable offense and and. Hopefully they will go after the parents for this. While we're talking about states with offenses, in the state of Delaware, it is actually a it is a a real thing that a parent can be flogged for a crime that their child commits as a, a, an act of of negligence and incomplete incompetence of a parent. My dad, when, when was I was the last growing time up, there was a flogging in the state of Delaware, nineteen eighty three. You're kidding. No, 1983. <laughs> I yep. got to look this up. Yep, yep, yep. Definitely check check that out <laughs> later. Uh, m- when I was growing up, my dad, the very first thing that I remember before any other safety in the house was explicitly stated was that I was to treat the firearms in the house that I in no way, shape, or form could ever closely have access to, treat them with the utmost respect, never, ever, ever play with a firearm, make sure that every, basically it is sacrosanct, the rules of firearm safety. And, and seeing this kind of nonsense out there, you cannot be apathetic and claim to be responsible. And it is because of the parents' apathy and, and a host of other factors that a teacher was shot by this child, you this wanna, six-year-old. You want to know something that's really going to make your blood boil? The superintendent who was fired for his negligence in the handling of the reports at the school is keeping his sa- salary because he was dismissed, quote, without cause. That's a $250,000 a year uh, salary for the administration that he's that he's keeping oh, I because can, it was, quote, without uh, cause. Rather than making my blood boil, this is such a common thing in the United States. Administrators and superintendents are the problem. They are the problem. Every time I have heard parents talk about that, that it's it's teachers that are the, the core you know, issues with American public education. It is administrators that allow nonsense like these events in Virginia, like in Uvalde in Texas, to happen, to botch things ridiculously with horrible policies, with negligence, with apathy, and the host of other situations around the country that they have been culpable in, and then waltz away with six-figure salaries, hefty six-figure salaries, not like just over 100000 like you said, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars most teachers are what earning fifty thousand dollars a year and this that's guy, the national the- average but after a couple of years in the profession many are making well over that as far as administrators are concerned it's that's- big buku bucks to do patently nothing except screw up the schools and this is yet another example of it and elsewhere in the country in new jersey uh, uh Jong shin 29 she was caught um attempting to infiltrate a local high school. Now, fortunately, officials there caught her four days into the stint. She's now being charged with uh, presenting a fake birth certificate at the New Brunswick Board of Education, attempting to attend public high school classes. There's an old meme. Have you the one where the uh, I can't remember who it is, but there's an old guy walking through a hallway and he's got a red hat yeah, on his yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve How do you, Yeah, Steve Buscemi. How do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> he's only got like a 29 year old. She's walking through a high school. Good we, for her for wanting to get an education. I guess that's for what she her. wants. Yeah. What makes you think she's getting an education? You're being far too generous. First of all, there's a couple of different reasons I wouldn't want to go back to school. But when you have six-year-olds who are shooting public teachers, this is not a safe place to be. Second of all, although I never went to public school, I skipped straight into university, I did have, after I graduated, like stress dreams for, I swear, six months to a year after graduation, that I would have to go back 
to university. If you graduated high school, I can only imagine the nightmare. Why would you want to propel yourself back into that hellscape? I want an interview with this person. I have to know more about this story because this sounds like a Disney Channel original movie. It does not sound real. All right. We'll be back in just a little bit. You guys are listening to Tony Katz today. I am Tony Kinnett. Ethan, what do we got coming up after this? Coming up after this, we're going to be delving into Florida mom suing her school district uh, for uh, limiting her access to volunteering opportunities because of an OnlyFans account, as well as a Georgia police officer who resigned after being put on leave for his opinions on traditional marriage posted to Facebook. Don't miss these stories coming up next on Tony Katz Today. Cause what he does, he does so well Makes me want to yell Let's give it for the boy ah, Let's give the boy a hand Welcome back to Tony Katz Today I'm your fill-in host, Ethan Hatcher, joined by the vivacious Tony Kinnett, the other the Tony. vivacious. Wow. I, oh, man. I'm going to have to tell my wife I was called that later. She'll she'll be very... She's interested in all of the weird words that people use to describe me. We'll add that one to the list. Thanks for tuning into the show, guys. This segment, we got some fun stories, including a Florida mom whose access to her children has been limited on the basis of an OnlyFans account? This is a real head-scratcher. A Florida mom suing Orange County Public Schools after she claims being banned from volunteering at her children's school because of the status of her account. And it gets better because she suspects either other parents or members of the staff gain access to her profile and then spread these pictures amongst the staff members. Uh, here, here's a hot take for everyone. I'm totally fine with the school limiting her access. I'm uh, fine with that. Why? Uh, because uh, you. What you, she does on her off hours is her own business. That's great. I don't. School, I, school needs to butt out of that. Okay. Here, here's my hot take. If you act like a, if you act, I can't use the word that I would normally use off the air on the air here. But if you act like an individual who is yeah rather vicarious and and promiscuous and it is is rather horny on all other points of your time in life maybe i don't want you around my kids and that's okay with me and it's consensual and it's able to be engaged on by the free market then i I think it's fair game this is off school property off school time that's she's not sharing this content with either schools or school children or the parents i'm not asking for separate i'm not asking for her her private life to be affected i'm saying that if i'm a parent maybe i don't want to strip her around my kids Maybe I don't. Maybe that is just a, I don't. And if the school votes in favor of that, okay, Chuck, she can go volunteer somewhere else. I that I I don't have an issue with this. In in my own personal opinion, this is just something I don't have I don't have a problem with. Well, good for her. Then I'm I'm curious to see what the ultimate uh, results of this and the the litigation process are because I feel like this is unfair. What? How is the? In fact, the mother is uh, claims that she's uh, chose that particular line of work because it gives her more extracurricular time to oh, spend with her children. Stop! Oh, uh, I'm. Are so, you serious? That's yes. totally fair. When people are throwing money at you just to show a little bit of skin, and that gives you free time to nurture your children. That's that's no, totally I don't, legit. I'm sorry. I that's don't, legit. I am so tired of hearing that. The Why numerous... should she have to suffer because of thirsty men throwing dollars at her? I I, I okay. Let's I'm, let's blame. 
the people who support that kind of activity rather than the uh, service, indiv- the individuals providing the service that's okay. clearly in popular demand. Here's a hot take. I blame, I blame both of them. I just, I don't think that it's good behavior. That's my opinion. I don't think, and first say, well, actually, I started doing this to be with my kids. Oh my God, we stop the, the horny posting. Oh, I'm so brave and I'm brave in this work because I just want to spend time with my kids. No, you're not. Stop. It's a lucrative job. I mean, it's Rob, not Ke- being Rob Kendall will tell, me, tell you about somebody who was pushed into that line of work because of uh, the shutdowns that Holcomb had inflicted on the uh, on the Indiana economy. So it's a legitimate choice. And if we're talking, again, legal and consensual, what's the problem? Uh, legal and consensual does not equate to moral. We're not making a moral judgment here. I'm making this a is, moral judgment. Okay, you're entitled to your moral judgment. That's we're it. talking That's- about access to, children, access to volunteer for her children. You can have your opinions on whether she should or shouldn't engage on those op- activities on a moral basis. You're entitled to that. She should still have access to your children, just sh- access to her children, just like you have. I'm uh, not saying the right she shouldn't have access to her children, but you just said that the, the Freudian slip, she should have access to other people's children. No. I don't want her to. I, I don't approve of what it is that she's doing. I think that it harms her character overall. I don't want her around my children. That's that's it. Period. And if the school votes that it is necessary based on the kind of content that she shares to not be around the kids, then so be it. Ooh, hot button take. Okay, well, we'll go with that. Now, how do you feel? This is another uh, First Amendment free speech issue. So uh, how do you feel about this Georgia police officer who had to resign after being put on leave for his Facebook post? So by that logic, then you should support the police department for dismissing this individual on the basis of his extracurricular opinions, which I feel like the school is completely illegitimate and unfair. He's entitled to his religious opinion and that is total, totally uh, unrelated to his performing his professional duties, especially when he's not using a professional account. He's not using the police Twitter. This is his own personal Facebook. He is entitled to his own religious viewpoint. I think, in my opinion, that expressing a political opinion is different than posting porn. I think those are two separate things. They're both First Amendment issues. Okay, so assembling and and speech are also covered by the First Amendment. That doesn't mean that going somewhere and speaking are the same thing. Now, here, here's just a, because something is equated as covered under the First Amendment that you can do something doesn't mean that it equates to whether or not I choose to employ it. I'm suggesting that the, the ramifications of the decisions made deal with the type of action that were committed. This was an article that was posted to the Daily Signal regarding 19 year old Jacob Kersey in Georgia, who uh, resigned following this incident with the police department. And they said he was allowed to make posts of scripture, but not his own independent evaluation. Uh, Evaluations or uh, opining on the scripture therein, um, and and said that this was a basis on the basis of separation of church and state, which is a really really tortured way of reading the establishment clause of the First Amendment. Because while it says well, that also the con- because that's not in there, that was in a, a letter that was not the, the separation of church and state argument. It wasn't even meant to suggest it's that, the establishment clause it, it, congress yes. shall make no law regarding the establishment of religion pretty Correct. straightforward or the other part of that or the free exercise thereof which is uh, mr kersey's free exercise thereof in his extracurricular Correct. opinion and, and by the way what he's stating is a theological tenet that has been expressed for hundreds if not thousands of years predating many governments the idea that marriage is an institution of religion and not an institution of government that's all that he said and therefore, a marriage to exist must be a function of faith. That has been something that Christianity has preached and Judaism before it for thousands of years. 
But according to the Port uh, Wentworth Police Department, uh, the posts like that could uh, make the department liable in a use of force situation involving someone in the LGBT community. That's never once happened. That is never, ever once happened. Hold on a minute. Applying your logic from the previous situation, then the dismissal is justified because of the reprisal it could invite on the police department because of his opinions posted to his own personal no, Facebook No, two page. completely different things. Making a religious statement and posting porn are two completely different things. If I go out today, if I go out today and I but strip But they're both down, cu- covered by the First Amendment. That's great. I'm, this isn't about being arrested. This is about the First, Constitution First Amendment and we has should nothing, defend the Constitution. Yes, in, in, in being allowed to walk around in our society, yes. As far as your employment is concerned, if I walk out into my lawn and I strip down to the nude, the Heritage Foundation finds out about it. They have a right to fire me. Because I look bad for the company. And that is that is the case that I'm making So you're here. making the case for, for uh, the police department dismissing the officer? No. A political statement is very different than posting porn. They are two uniquely different things. I love this conversation. I'm really digging this, man. This is great. I wish we oh, had yeah, more makes time for, to get I mean, it makes it. for good radio because it's, um, you know, it's a good conversation. Let's get into one more incident with a police department because I, I thought this would pique your interest when I ran across this story. Los Angeles Police Department Chief Michael Moore... Can we pause for a minute? The Los Angeles chief of police is named Michael Moore. Yeah, that's, that's, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's, 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 that's a good bit of reference. Yes, there, there yeah. we go. And um, he is now banning the public display of the thin blue line flag at police uh, events because of the connection that is supposed to have to white supremacy, which is just... Come I mean, on. there are there are Democrat groups this in Indiana who think moment. Like, there are Democrats on, in Indiana who think that the three so percenter rock. logo, which is the Roman numeral three surrounded by Betsy Ross's thirteen stars, they think that's white supremacy. I, I'm How? really. What is that supposed to mean? I, I don't know. I guess that the three percenters are are the are it's a conservative libertarian group that or it's a a belief really that it's patriots resisting tyranny from the federal government. Well, that's white supremacy apparently. Ah, yes, because uh, everything is Naturally. so. Uh, police officers, I guess, also equate white supremacy. Okay, I mean, if you want to embarrass yourself, by all means, feel free. Former uh, LAPD captain and former deputy commissioner uh, Jerry Rodriguez called the move unfortunate, and and yet uh, it is because you're tacitly, it, it, we, even though he said publicly he doesn't agree with the appraisal of of the symbol, um, he he's still bowing to public pressure, and I, I just think that's the wrong move there. It's sending the wrong message, and it's tacitly admiss- admitting the public is right, which in the in this case the leftists of LA are certainly aren't. I, I love the imagery of all of this. So, so whenever you know we're, we're, we we talk about some of the most famous police officers that that your traditional establishment Republicans bring on to the screen um, on Fox or on Newsmax or whatever, it is very rarely like a, a white chubby guy from the middle of Kansas. It, it just isn't. It usually ends up being as a diverse crowd brought onto the screen, as many on the left claim is non-existent. And what we're finding is that the establishment praise for the back of the blue is really just related to the old 1950s-style Americana trust that the system is defending you, the American patriotic system, is that idea. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with ethnicity. It has nothing to do with cops being some type of Christo-faddish, pseudo-fascist takeover of the government. (laughs) It, It turns out that a lot of boomers just like police officers because they have their entire life. That's what we were taught in TV shows. You like cops. They serve the community. That's it. That's the whole message. And also cops are members of our community. 
They, yeah, a lot of them put their lives on the line every day. They walk they, down streets in Indianapolis that I would never dare walk down, no matter how armed I was. Oh man, especially dealing with the East Side, which we'll get into that. that we'll get into that later in next hour because uh, there was a tragedy which actually brushed against me personally on the East Side of Indianapolis uh, that that we'll get into. Violence resulting in death that unfortunately is a common theme around the city under the mm. leadership of Joe Hogsnot. But right. we'll talk about that later. Stay tuned. I hope you're enjoying the show, producer Kylan. Bippity bip. On the board, pushing those buttons, doing the things to make it function. Thank you so much for your hard work. Stay tuned to Tony Katz today. Good afternoon and welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm your guest host, Tony Kennett, along with the other equally great guest host, Ethan Hatcher, and we have got another great set of segments for you in this segment. Unfortunately, this is a bit gruesome. I, I, yeah, as soon as I said that, I, I thought of the first story, and uh, uh, it's 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 rough, yikes. but it but it comes with again a little bit of the Darwin Award. So, an, an airline worker was killed in a December 31st incident at an Alabama airport after she was exposed to multiple warnings about the dangers of being near running jet engines. Uh, the National Transportation Safety Board said so. A preliminary report shared by the agency Monday did not explicitly assign fault in the incident at Montgomery Regional Airport. It noted examples of when workers were warned to stay clear of running jet engines, you know, jet engines, the, the big, huge engines with spinning blades and jet propulsion. Prior to this incident, there were two safety meetings with the crew about not putting out safety cones or entering close proximity to the engine while it was still running until it had come to a full stop and the plane had been hooked up to grounded electricity. So uh, this this worker, uh, she ignored, or at least from from it looks like from the initial reports and what has been you know put on front, she ignored the safety reports, ignored Sucked the warnings. in like a goose. You want and to talk about gruesome? That, that is, what a way to go! It's terrible. Uh, and in in a, a slightly different note, I, I do have to point out there is a reason that you pay attention to some of the basic safety protocol when you're dealing with these kinds of pieces of equipment jet engines are huge they are scary and they they not only suck things in at a very commensate rate the exhaust that comes out the back is also very propulsive yeah kind of needed to push the plane up into the air you gotta have that thrust you were telling me before the show about a guy who was what was like a ramp worker who was like knocked down by the exhaust of a jet recently as uh, yeah. well well that that was part of the investigation in the lead up to this incident they'd already had brushes with ramp workers at the airport who had gotten too close and yeah pushed over in the jet stream i don't know if you ever saw that episode this was on uh, mythbusters going on 15 years ago now. I used to watch a little bit of Mythbusters Love back in the day. Mythbusters. Anyway, so uh, they were testing out whether a car or other vehicle could gain, go airborne by a jet stream. It's absolutely possible. I mean, of course, it's something that you can test in the real world. So they got a jet, uh, revved up the engine, drove a couple vehicles behind it. And yeah, I mean, they were tossed around like toys. There was a Top Gun episode like that as well, where there was a car that would drive behind the, the jet stream, that huge amount of thrust coming out of the back of the jet engine. And they counted the number of flips that the car would do. The, the, the moral of the story, first of all, there are two very important morals to the story. Number one, be careful around jet engines. Don't get close to them. They are very dangerous things. Number two, 
Pay attention to safety briefings, not only tool safety, but a larger equipment safety. Kind of important. There are a lot of people probably listening to the show in various factories around the state right now that are kind of rolling their eyes at the individual who gets too close to the big machinery. Don't be dumb. Play stupid games and you will win stupid prizes. Not the only aircraft-related accident in news either. Much more locally, by my own alma mater, the University of Indianapolis on Weaver Avenue, a small engine plane crashed by the train tracks, resulting in at least one fatality of the pilot. So far, it's unknown what led up to the incident, and FAA and NTSB officials have joined the investigation. I hope we find out more information, but that's kind of concerning there's not a local municipal airport in the region that i'm aware of and officials in the close vicinity of U- uh, university of indianapolis no i'm trying to think of yeah. any either i never so in in my limited experience flying and i am in no means a professional pilot but in very recreational flying that i've done uh never was i south of indianapolis in that area but that is that was always my biggest nightmare uh flying was the landing uh, terrified that and power lines i was always afraid i was going to accidentally fly the plane into power line that's terrible terrible incident that happened uh i'm both thankful. tragic accidents with, yes with both, both both are tragic i'm i'm uh in a maybe macabre storm of way i'm i'm thankful that the crash happened to a railroad and it wasn't into a building or onto a street causing additional accidents um, it kind of was. It did, right? It was. It 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 it, it, uh, it was on both because the Weaver Avenue and the railroad run parallel, parallel to, to each one other. another. So it, it did the crash occur on the tracks or in the median between the tracks uh, and the road? on the median, kind of in the ditch is where it looked like, according to pictures of the the incident that oh, I had saw. I look forward to seeing what the FAA comes up with to kind of tell us what was going on there. Absolutely. Uh, and then finally, rounding off uh, uh, incidents in the air, a newly discovered asteroid made one of the closest approach to er- approaches to Earth in recent memory, well within uh, ge- geosynchronous orbit of like uh, communication satellites, 10 times closer. And this was the size of a large delivery truck Fortunately, it blew right past us, and even had it entered into the atmosphere, I guess it's small enough that it probably it would have yeah, yeah, it just would have burnt up. I mean, a large delivery, man, it. these Amazon Prime truck deliveries are getting ridiculous. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting a bit much, guys. Time to, time to relax. Maybe we don't need the order that fast. Oh, my goodness. Stay tuned to Tony Katz today. We've got a lot more to cover. Coming up in the next hour, we'll be delving back into the classified documents. With a little saga. bit from Ted Cruz. Ted he's, coming Cruz. To, he's coming to battle. Suggesting where the Department of Justice should investigate next for Joe Biden. We'll also cover uh, Suzanne Crouch and the governor race. Give you our uh, handicapping of the candidates. Don't miss it. This is Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kennett filling in on Tony Katz today. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm Ethan Hatcher, joined by Tony Kennett. Together, we're filling in for Tony Katz. And boy, we've got a lot of topics to cover with you, including the ever-evolving classified documents scandal, which has continued to develop and expand in scope since its inception. We'll be getting into uh, more hypocrisy from the heights of government, where a former FBI counterintelligence agent involved with the Trump-Russia investigation has himself been accused of Russian connections. All of that covered this afternoon, so stay tuned. Tony 
It's a privilege to be on the afternoon or on the airwaves this afternoon with you. And uh, the world was rocked to its knees on Tuesday when former president Vice uh, uh, Mike Pence announced to Congress that he had discovered some more classified documents in his residence in Carmel. What say you? I mean, this is this is incredible. Who doesn't have classified documents in the federal government? This I mean, is- yeah, that's that's what I tweeted out the other day. I said I, I actually opened up a box of Lucky Charms and the prize inside was more classified documents. At this point, who doesn't have them? Two weeks ago on my show Saturday Night on The Circle, I was joking that somebody should check the peanut garden in Jimmy Carter's house, but it appears that that was closer to reality than initially expected. I mean, like, seriously, you pull up the bush and then there's a box of documents tangled in the roots. Oh, my. Well, how did those get? That was a, that was a lovely impression, and, and we're all the better for it. Realistically, I don't care. I don't care. And I, I said this when Biden was discovered to have classified documents. I said this back when Trump had his house raided. I cared that his house was raided by the FBI. I cared that people were raiding through Melania's underwear drawer. Kind of a bit too far, but... I must be one of the only people out there who really does not care about classified documents until you look at some of the polling regarding this and find that the majority of Americans do not care about there being classified documents. You worked with classified material your entire time in office. I'm fine. Are we dealing with overclassification? Because I feel like these labels are important. And if the materials contained therein really are so, uh, you know, unimportant that we can be blase in their handling, then are we misclassifying the details? That's a great question because Pence's documents are were from, I believe one of the places was from the Naval Observatory. That was where the majority of the documents were contained. So what's classified from the Naval Observatory? Uh, We've noticed that China's been messing around with Jupiter's moon Titan and uh, that can't be allowed to persist is that really in a document somewhere i, I, I want to know what the naval observatory is observing that's classified from the rest of us i think that's a fairly passive aggressive nomenclature for the vice president's residence considering that many of vice presidents and politicians generally spend lots of time naval gazing so passive I'm, aggressive nomenclature I, I really just i don't understand i mean i understand that you know we need to have a big huge to do because you know the president of the united states is not being held to the same standard as the former president of the united states and i'm all for holding biden to the same standard i'm for holding politicians to the same standard regardless of wealth or power that said this is not the scandal that americans want investigated right now it just isn't there are so many other pertinent scandals that touch each and every american from the heartland to the coasts that aren't being discussed right now because we're talking about the fact that one of the aides of these presidents, not the presidents themselves, but the aides, the distant second interns cousins, brought over some faxed copies over from the White House of their office when they were done with their tenure. Nevertheless, it merits investigation depending on who may have had access to those materials and why they were brought back. I mean, let's think about some of the the classified documents that Biden has had under his control. Could they be relating to the Ukraine? Yeah, the Iranian, the Ukrainian, the the, the England-related documents, I think, are very important to take a look at. The documents themselves, for sure, yes. Uh, As far as the the general overlay and the chaos and the, the scandal about it, I'm less interested in because because I think there are more important topics that Americans are facing, especially right now when eggs are $5 a carton and we're dealing with rampant inflation. Uh, unemployment is beginning to rise again, despite the Build Back Better agenda and the, the numerous other nonsensical things that are actually causing us problems, not whether Mike Pence has telescope documents. 
Now, according to the AP, they tweeted out, it turns out that former officials from all levels of government discover they are in possession of classified material and turn them over to authorities at least several times a year. This, according to a person familiar with the matter who spoke on the condition of anonymity. So you are correct. In some respects, it's not so much the scandal it is purported to be. Nevertheless, it is important. And now the National Archives is calling out to all former presidents, former vice presidents and associated staff to turn over classified documents they may have in their possession so, to kind of get a cap on this scandal. I mean, it, it, it is larger in scope than initially believed, certainly larger than just Donald Trump's dispute with the archives over ownership and classification. This is the real question I have to ask both of you here uh, for a moment. Yeah, bringing in producer so, Kylan. Yeah. If you were serving in a very high office and you left, what classified documents, what would be in the classified documents you would be caught with? For me... I'm thinking it has to be uh, like some of the weird, creepy stuff from the Cold War or like if there are any like classified recipes out there. Like, you know, I, I don't know, Roosevelt's secret Rice Krispie Treat recipe. Oh, I home, would take those documents. I'm bringing home the classified documents from Area 52. The truth is out there. I want to believe. Okay, all right, we got the alien conspiracy theory. What do you got? Any good documents? You stole mine. I was going to say the recipes. Yeah. I know there has to be some first lady secret recipe to just put you straight in a diabetic coma. Just the best <laughs> dessert on earth that like we, we took from, like we stole from France or something. And it's classified because we stole the recipe or something. The that would be cool er for me. The 11 herbs and spike spices are co-owned by the U.S. Yeah, government. National Treasure meets Ratatouille. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great idea. And I, I would steal documents like that. I Honestly, those would be great. Um, it shouldn't be dis it shouldn't be dismissed, and we're kind of laughing about it though. That these classified documents, had they been found in our possession, would result in our immediate imprisonment. These are double standards for the highest echelon of our government. And if we're going to have consistency, then the same sort of standards should be applied to the elected officials. That's kind of my take on this. Oh yeah, but that's not like that's not necessarily not an, an uncommon take. I mean, this is something that everyone has known for a long time. Every individual that's out there listening to this right now knows there's a double standard. If you run for governor or you run for president and you make it, you're no longer held to the same standards and you can get away with a lot of things or get that little wrist slap and, and you know, you're tut-tutted and patted and sent off to bed like Cindy Lou Who. So now that we're finding the in that the scope of the classified document scandal has grown where whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Where do you think the investigations ultimately will go? Because Nowhere. I yeah, because the, the hands of the Justice Department are tied. It, it's involving the former vice president, the current president, the former president. There's too many hands in the pie. There's too many fingers in the pie at this point. I just don't think it's going to go anywhere sure. because investigations of this scale never go anywhere anymore. We really don't have investigations anymore that expose uh, a lot of the nonsense that's going on. To your last point, you know, the different set of standards. Uh, but we still haven't figured out who any of the other individuals on Epstein's guest list were for his pedophile island. We're not going to find out if Biden actually had secret dealings with different countries and this, that. The, the investigation is just not going to go there. It's just not. It merits understanding how these individuals ended up with the documents. Even by, Vice President Pence is sort of throwing the military under the bus when he says that it was primarily military officials who conducted the packing up of the Naval Observatory, not Pence 
Pence staff, you know, and sort sort of uh, brushing off responsibility when, especially these classified documents, by all accounts, uh, how they're handled is very secure, and you're not supposed to be taking them out of the skiff, the secured rooms. How are they ending up with these quantities, boxes full, dozens of documents? In the case of both presidents, Bi- Biden and Trump. I don't know. I've worked with a lot of individuals who have handled different kinds of documents, who have had a lot of kinds of authority in that nature. And uh, for those who have ever worked with anyone in regard to the military, you know that there's just a lot of corners that are cut all the time because no one has time for that. And so when I listen to Biden and and Pence and and Trump and other individuals who've been, you know, not caught with classified documents because a lot of them reported as such, when they say it was probably some low-level officer who just moved the wrong box, I genuinely believe them because there is not a butter bar lieutenant out there who has not goofed and moved the wrong box at the wrong time. That's what they're known for. Well, uh, clearly, the scope of the investigation is going to con- is conti- going to continue to grow as it has since the first documents were discovered in Biden's residence, uh, and then subsequently the garage and the university. And we're also going to be playing sound bites later in the show, um, speculating from Ted Cruz where the uh, Department of Justice should next conduct an investigation, potentially to find more classified materials. Stay tuned for that. Also coming up next, we're going to talk about that retired FBI counterintelligence agent who led the Trump-Russia probe, who's now been arrested for his own ties to a Russian oligarch. Oh, poetic justice at its finest, and I just can't wait. Highlighting the utter hypocrisy at the highest levels of government, which you're utterly familiar with. Stay tuned to Tony Katz today, Ethan Hatcher, and Tony Kinnett. Good afternoon and welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I'm your guest host filling in today for Tony Katz, Tony Kennett, the other Tony, along with Ethan Hatcher. And we've got some beautiful poetic justice for you this afternoon. It could not be planned together. It looks it looks like it came out of a, a comedy. So retired top FBI counterintelligence agent who led the Trump Russia probe for possible collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia has been arrested for his own ties to the Russian oligarchy. It's it's, it's a chef's kiss moment. Mind-blowing. And he's been charged with uh, Sergei Shestikov, who's a former Soviet and Russian diplomat, has ties dating back all the way to the USSR, and both of them have been accused of circumventing U.S. sanctions against this oligarch, along with money laundering. And these are the officials in charge of the Trump investigation. Remember, collusion, the specter kept being raised throughout the Trump administration to delegitimize his presidency. And now the officials who were in charge of that have the connections with Russia. It's you can't make it up. This is the greatest of farces. Hey, now, hey, now, you have to hand it to Charles McGonagall, at least when they were looking for someone, (laughs) at least when they were looking for someone to investigate Russian collusion, they found a guy with experience. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you're going to find a guy to investigate collusion between Americans and the Russian oligarchy, a guy who's done it a few times really is the best guy to grab onto the team. Charles McGonagall says, I know what collusion looks like because I'm colluding myself. Absolutely. It's fantastic. (laughs) So uh, McGonagall serving uh, as the chief of cybercrime section at the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C., not at a field office, was one of the first bureau officials to learn 
of allegations that George Papadopoulos, a campaign advisor for former President Donald Trump, boasted that he knew Russians had dirt on Hillary Clinton and therefore launched the investigation into this alleged Russian election interference, which was known as Operation Crossfire Hurricane, which is just the most like AI like a generated FBI with that, a sixth know? grader. Yeah. My presentation operation crossfire hurricane <laughs> Raptor T-Rex. And, and now he's caught in the crossfire hurricane. These- I- it's, it's beautiful. The specific charge is one count of conspiring to violate and evade U.S. sanctions in violation of the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, one count of violating the IEEPA, one count of conspiring to commit money laundering, and one count of money laundering, each carrying a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. So they will serve more time in prison than Trump, and that was the object of their desire. So it's like just this burning irony and I'm I'm experiencing a little bit of delightful schadenfreude like <laughs> uh, honestly the, the beautiful part to me is that he wasn't just caught for sharing intelligence. So like Jonathan Preuss who shared uh, documents to the Soviet Union over in East Germany during the Cold War. This is a situation in which he was both caught conspiring to commit money laundering and just directly money laundering. So this goober is moving money in and out of several bank accounts between rubles and dollars, and he's sliding those things back and forth, and he got caught. How, in this day and age, where finances are monitored closely, especially if there's some kind of a sanctions act, can you think that you would get away with high-profile money laundering as an FBI agent? And doing that alongside a former diplomat from the USSR is the height of arrogance from the official leading an investigation in Russian collusion. It, it, it shows you that these federal officials feel like they're invincible and their positions shield them from responsibility. But this is a rare instance where, you know, light is being shed on the corruption within our own government. It makes you feel really comfortable with the level of national security that we have. I mean, really, you take a moment back and you say, ah, our FBI officials are money laundering with Russia. And now we actually have Corinne Jean-Pierre insisting that Eric Swalwell, Adam Schiff, and Ilhan Omar bring a lot to the table on national security. This was hysterical. I have that soundbite. Am I on? Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Muted at the local level. Let's try this again. Live radio, ladies and gentlemen. Fun times. Any reaction from, from you from the White House um, about Speaker McCarthy's decision to keep Representative Schiff and Swallow from the Intelligence Committee? So I'll say this. Uh, Representative Schiff, Representative Swalwell, uh, and uh, also Repre- uh, Representative uh, Omar are, um, you know, our expertise and bring a lot to the table when it comes to uh, foreign policy and national security. And we'll say this, uh, you know, uh, we'll say this, we'll say that, um, you know, when it comes to that committee, it should not be politicized. Uh, it should be independent. And, uh, and again, those congressional members bring a lot of expertise uh, to that committee. And uh, I'll leave it there. So first and foremost, there is no committee in Congress or in any state legislature that is independent. That is one of the spoils of war of winning an election and winning a majority. You pick who goes on the committees. That is how it works. That is how it has worked for decades and decades, nigh centuries. Time immemorial. In the United States. And by the way, three of the most political members of the House of Representatives are Eric Swalwell, Adam Schiff, and Ilhan Omar. 
Now, not all of Kevin McCarthy's committee selections have been particularly inspiring. George Santos. But removing uh, Eric Swalwell and Ilhan Omar definitely was a inspired choice, considering Swalwell's ties with Fang Fang, a Chinese counterintelligence agent. So, yeah, I, I dare say he would not be an individual qualified yeah, I, for a connection on a committee uh, uh, selection for national security. Yeah, I don't Goodness think gracious. I don't think dating a Chinese spy is the kind of experience we're looking for uh, in sitting on the National Security Committee or the Intelligence Committee, excuse me. It really doesn't give me a lot of confidence in our national security standards uh, when the Democrats are more concerned with the political posturing of who and who doesn't get to sit on committee when they lost the majority. And Republicans didn't do a stellar job in that election. But again, to the victors go the spoils. And, don't, and this is just a classic case of it. Yeah, don't let Democrats snow you. They are all too happy to remove Republicans from committee assignments when they have obtained power. That's how it they goes. Did not ask the, they did not ask Kevin McCarthy when he was the minority leader who he really wanted to put <laughs> in on committees back when the Democrats had control of the House. It Absolutely. never works this way. The Democrats want to cry fairness and foul whenever the Republicans are in charge and then immediately ignore any concerns for Republican fairness once they take office. And that's fine. That's, that's the way that the other side does. That's how politics works. You win, you win, you lose, you don't. That's the basics. Now, I don't know if you caught this story, but it breaks my heart for service members who had been fired for the COVID-19 vaccination policy. They're now being asked in some cases to return the military bonuses assigned from for them. And this is after uh, they've removed the requirement with the latest NDA. It's the ultimate sad irony, and unfortunately, it's deleteriously affecting the service members who help protect our freedoms. So those of you out there who have had the uh, distinct pleasure to work with a recruiting sergeant, <clears throat> uh, a lot of uh, U.S. Army um, service members are entitled to bonuses of up to around $7,000 if they sign up for six years. And a lot of individuals who were fired uh, and were removed uh, from the U.S. Army and other branches of our military for refusing to get the COVID-19 experimental mRNA vaccines are now being asked in some cases to pay that bonus back, which is morally reprehensible. It's, it's such a disservice to the veterans of this country. Thousands of individuals, including the most highly trained fighting force in the world, 3,717 Marines, 1,816 soldiers, 2,064 sailors discharged for refusing vaccination. This, according to Reuters, by no means a right-wing publication. All of those individuals potentially on the hook to return the bonuses assigned for them uh, due to this policy. And this is the Biden administration sticking it to our service members. Even after, specifically. Even after the Pentagon officially ended the COVID-19 vaccine mandate earlier this month as a part of the National Defense Authorization Act. And so there's no kind of grace being given to our troops who should never have been forced to take the vaccine in the first place. However, Senator Cruz announced his intention to introduce a bill which would rehire all military members who were fired for refusing the vaccine. Bill known as the Allowing Military Exemptions, Recognizing Individual Concern About New Shots or the Americans Act of 2023. Common sense should be bipartisan passed. Absolutely. You're listening to Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kinnett filling in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz Today. Stay tuned for more. Ninety-three. Let me tell you.
This is Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kinnett filling in for Tony Katz today. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Producer Kylan Talley on the board, beep, 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 pushing those buttons, doing the things to make the show function. Excellent bump music, by the way, Kylan. We begin this segment with another $400 million aid package announced by the Biden administration, gifted uh, yes. to Ukraine. Infinite finally. money. We're saved. Yes. <laughs> ah, finally, the economy is fixed. We're saved. Quick, everyone out into the streets. Let's celebrate more tanks that we paid for. Infinite aid for ah, foreign. Yes. Infinite money for foreign aid, support of the uh, military industrial complex, but not for the citizens of the United Finally, States. Finally, Lockheed Martin can flex its muscles yet again as we send more of our beautiful machinery over to the Ukraine. Oh, and get used to it because the Biden administration made clear that this is not going to end anytime soon. And they're joined hand in hand by their uh, superfluous spenders, the Republican Party, also uh, enthusiastic about spending literal billions of dollars in aid to this forever war, which is gaining no progress. We've so far spent $27 billion since January of 2021, $113 billion overall, our total commitment to the country. But, you know, what's another $400 million amongst friends? Well, of course. And also, not just are we, you know, giving them perhaps the skimming off the top. We're, we're sending over large amounts of, of ammunition that is coming from our own reserve in case that, you know, we might need that in some kind of military action ourselves, looking at you, China and Taiwan, as along with a lot of the other situations that the U.S. also uh, tries to take care of in its trade zones that it operates in around the world. Instead, we are sending all of those materials over to Ukraine. Not just people think that we're just sending over like dollar bills to the Ukraine. No, we're sending over supplies that our own country relies on to defend itself. And these tanks are yet another example of it. This should not be something that the United States is just coughing up uh, to a government that has been shown repeatedly uh, to be corrupt in how it spends its resources. I'm not even talking about, of course, Ukraine has a right to defend itself against Russian aggression. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But the wanton spending and the eagerness to throw billions and billions of dollars in equipment over is just unconscionable. The strategic value of this decision has been called into question by military officials who've said that Ukrainian soldiers lack the expertise or the the parts to perform the complicated maintenance required to keep these tanks that's running. The, that's the fun part. People don't realize that in that in first of all an army moves on its stomach. It does. Past that, every single vehicle requires countless amounts of maintenance. It needs to be taken care of. Parts need to be replaced. It needs to be fueled. It needs to have a very specific kind of oil. There are several things that need to take place before a tank is ready to be operated, not to mention an APC or some other kind of hybrid combat vehicle. And yet we're just sending them over. It's like a looking at a child and saying, ah, oh, you seem to not be doing so well. Here's a supercomputer. That ought to fix things. <laughs> and the kid, you know, goes up and licks the computer because the kid is three years old and has no idea how to operate a supercomputer. But, oh, no, here's here's a $10,000 supercomputer. We're saved. It, the incompetence is baffling. Oh, and buckle up, Buttercup, because we're going to be stuck in this counterproductive nonsense for, quote, a long time to come from administration official John Kirby. I'm with you. But if you yep, call me yep. Buttercup again on the air, we're going to have a few problems. Yep, yep. What, what, what's happened to my audio? I there think we, we need to prepare ourselves that, uh, to, uh, to, to continue to 
to have to continue to support Ukraine for for quite some time. I can't be perfectly predictive. Quite some time. So it, so this is just the beginning. So of a already 113 billion dollar commitment when we're 30 trillion dollars in debt. Tony, where does it end? When does it ever end? My question is two opposing points can't be true. So I have been told both that Russia is bat just absolutely bumbling through uh, their forward assault into Ukraine. Uh, they have failed at several different points. They are doing an abysmal job of taking any kind of territory. They are down to what is considered the bottom of the barrel for their conscripts even. Um, at the same time, we are told that Ukraine is doing a majestic, wonderful job of pushing the Russians back and it's going very well. And then the holidays and more important politics happen and all of a sudden the line stopped moving and we've settled into this you know, myriad maze of non-moving trenches. And so my question for all of the individual leaders at play is why is this going to take forever? Why? If we're actually interested in giving you the Ukraine what it needs to eject Russia from its borders, then let's just do so and get it over with. Why the endless, you know, Iraq war style slog where this is going to be the indefinite military action wasting millions and billions of dollars? It is the Biden administration's uh, effective dithering in this situation, which allows the stagnation of military progress in the Ukraine to continue. And what else should we expect from an executive who can't even remember on multiple occasions the name of his own secretary of defense? I want to thank all of our distinguished guests that are here today, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the, the sec secretary of the uh, of the uh, uh, Secretary Austin. Uh, uh, that's your that's your commander in chief. That is the executive. So of course we don't have any any decisive action regarding the military action in, or military uh, intervention in Ukraine when the executive is so feckless. How many times are we going to sit here and allow the president to get up and embarrass us on a national stage? Not because he's excited or eccentric, but because he cannot mentally function at a very basic cognitive level. It is beyond the point, remember during the Trump administration, there were several times where uh, people said it was time for, you know, invoking the amendment to remove the president from office, that he was too crazy or he was too inept mentally to carry on because he misspelled a tweet uh, once every couple of months. And yet the president routinely gets lost on stage, cannot remember the members of his cabinet, cannot remember that certain members of Congress have passed away, cannot complete a basic sentence at third grade level English. And yet I don't see any Republican congressman saying, look, the president can't mentally function. It's time to invoke the amendment. In, in all honesty, in all seriousness, the only reason that I've heard someone cough up that we don't do that is they say, well, Kamala would be worse. Put aside the politics for a second and recognize that the president is very closely resembling a vegetable. We have a president who cannot speak. This is a problem for the United States of America as a whole. He cannot remember the name of someone in his cabinet. In his People used to make fun of President George Bush for being stupid because he, he spoke with a southern accent or he pronounced the word nuclear incorrectly. President Biden can't remember the names of people that he appointed to the most important positions in the United States of America. 
When the classified document scandal for the Biden administration first broke, some began speculating that Democrat officials behind the scenes were seeking to sabotage the administration and set the stage for an alternative candidate to make the run in 2024. Do you believe that's the case? And if so, who? That was my question. Because if they're setting Biden up to take the fall, then who's the replacement? Because I don't see a Democratic DeSantis waiting in the wings but I'm not in tune with the insanity of leftist politics. So. No, I think that a better way to get rid of Biden would be to replace his Geritol with sugar pills so that he has to function at the base level that he's medically capable. If they really, I don't have to dig to, I, I understand, you know, the, the joy of, you know, conspiracy theories. Oh, they've decided they're done with him. They're ousting him. Uh, to a degree, yes, they're tired of Biden. They don't want him to run anymore. He's accomplished his purpose of, of defeating Trump in 2020. And again, in the midterms in 2022, now here we are looking at a president who I'm pretty certain that he can't zip up his own pants. He can't. He has the fine motor skills of a dead dog on the highway. He can't speak. No wonder we are having all of these issues with national security. Our president couldn't direct his way out of a paper bag. Now, speaking of national security, I want you to pay attention to this clip from U.S. Senator Mitt Romney, who's explaining why the U.S. should continue the forever war of Ukraine and its infinite funding, giving taxpayer dollars over to foreign aid to the tune of billions of dollars. And note the false equivocation the senator makes here, which utterly makes my blood boil, and I'm sure it's going to tick you off, too. Let's take a listen. Finally, I'd note this, and that is that... Uh, the spending that we provide for Ukraine is very much consistent with, it's of the same manner as the spending we have for national defense. We spend about $750 billion a year on national defense. And the 20, 30, 40 billion that we're spending on Ukraine is basically in the same category. It is defending American <laughs> interests, America's national security against adversaries that would threaten us. Uh, it, it, is, it is a way of weakening Russia's military, of weakening the China might to potentially invade their neighbor, Taiwan. No, no, uh, it doesn't and, do that at so all. So it's of one kind. So when people say, well, what does this do for America? Well, uh, why do we spend money on national defense? We could just take all that money and spend it here ourselves. But we spend on national defense because <laughs> we know that if we do so, it makes it more likely we'll be safe and prosperous and our lives will be spared. He, he, but if instead we didn't do that we would put ourselves in great jeopardy. So I just note that if you don't believe that we should be spending on Ukraine, then you probably should say we shouldn't be spending on national defense. And that makes no sense at all. All right, go. Oh, okay, okay, all <laughs> I, right. I knew that. I knew I'd get some good commentary right. out of you on we, this. We have to this break, is... we'll go backwards. So first of all, equating <laughs> spending money on another country to national defense. No, it's extra national defense, it is. The Warhawk <laughs> classical Republican take is that we need to operate in other theaters so that we don't have to operate in our own theaters uh, of war ourselves. I think that that is an okay argument. I know Rob Kendall would very much disagree with that because it does become expensive and other people do not manage your money as well as theoretically you do. Uh, but I do think that there is an argument for that. Equating that to national defense, no. Utter false equivocation. Garbage, pathetic, Garbage, be better. liar, oh my goodness. Number two. The second and core problem with his entire lecture there <laughs> is he is suggesting that, that we are somehow benefiting the United States of America directly because we are helping Russia or we are helping Ukraine push back Russia. No, that's not the case. We are helping a sovereign nation defend its borders from an aggressor that has 
ethnic and territorial claims on its land. Those are two very separate things. Russia has never suggested that it wants to impose on United States airspace, United States soil, or United States allies in the region. Russia's not like, yeah, we want to walk through Germany. We want to walk through NATO partners. That, that hasn't been suggested. Finally, lastly, and the most damning of everything that he said in that entire lecture is talking about how this is somehow weakening China. What? This isn't weakening China. We're weakening ourselves by giving Ukraine all of our ammunition and a lot of equipment while China has freer and freer reign to waltz about the Pacific in whatever way it so pleases. We're empowering China. Russia's not going to do a thing if China goes to war with Taiwan. Russia's not going to, what would Russia do? Say hello, like across the strait? They're not going to do anything. Helping Ukraine against Russia does nothing at all in relation to China. And I am embarrassed that Senator Romney believes anything about that is an equivocacy to national defense. Russia is falling apart on its own, largely proving itself to be a paper tiger. And let us not forget this aggression was instigated all the way at the beginning. Rewind the tape when the Biden administration said it would not intervene internationally were a, quote, minor incursion to occur. And the subsequent invasion of Ukraine began. This all started because of incompetence at the executive level. So it's not just minor nitpicking when we point out that he can't remember members of his cabinet. This is important, folks, because when you're the executive of the free world, when you are the president of the United States, your words have weight and meaning and diplomatic implication. And we're watching it unfold on the geopolitical world stage in real time. And the only response that I hear to this is, well, you must you must want Ukraine to fall. That's what you. you must want. You must want Russia to win. You must like you. The, you know, I think Putin is a very pathetic and very inept tin pot dictator. I don't care for him at all. Uh, I do not believe, though, that I should have to fund every pathetic and little incursion that he thrusts into whatever environment he so chooses. The same with the dictator of Belarus, by the way. I do not believe that it's my responsibility uh, to weaken the United States through its holdings militarily and economically in order to fund a nation who has been shown at the government level, I'm not talking about the citizen level, at the government level to misspend every dollar they receive. The government of Ukraine, not the citizenry of Ukraine, is incredibly corrupt. Since 2012, they had, they literally had to redo a presidential election in the last decade because one of the presidential candidates was poisoned, was poisoned. Ukraine is incredibly corrupt at a, a government level and us giving the government our supplies is ridiculous. I would be more comfortable airdropping AR-15s to the civilians and the ammunition with wherewith to shoot them. I think that would be far more effective than writing a blank check to the Ukrainian government. $700 billion in national defense does not justify $100 billion commitments in foreign aid. When our own American citizens and veterans are suffering at the same time. Absolutely. You're listening to Tony Katz today, Ethan Hatcher, and Tony Kennett filling in for Tony Katz. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I am one of your guest hosts filling in for Tony Katz. I'm Tony Kennett, the other Tony. Also with me is Ethan Hatcher, very much enjoying the intro music, as one should. I, the intro music is, is some of the best part about being on air. Good pick, producer Kylan. It really, really is. So, Ethan, I've got a few... Um, 
Well, there's really no way to, to no way to put it otherwise. I've got three really crappy situations here for you uh, that I feel that you're going to enjoy just because of your personality. So the first, uh, an unidentified man referred to by Florida authorities as the pooping perpetrator. Oh no! Allegedly defecated on the floor. Of, oh no! <laughs> of a Joe's crab shack. Oh no! What did the crustaceans <laughs> do to you? Fort Myers police shared on their Facebook page on Sunday. That's pretty great. So the police wrote that the man broke into the restaurant at 2:30 a.m. At least this wasn't in front of the other diners. On January 21st, he climbed through the restaurant window. He stole multiple items, including alcohol. <laughs> then he defecated on the floor before leaving the business. Well, time to break out the bleach after that one. That's I do a, not want to be the employee that has to clean up after that mess. Or as they should have been calling it, the hit and runs. Um, <laughs> anywho, we're going to move on. Uh, so another another crappy situation. A recent survey suggests that 17% of students at Stanford University have already used the popular AI chatbot, ChatGPT, on their final exams. So university spokesperson confirmed that the Board of Judicial Affairs is aware, and they're trying to monitor these emerging AI tools uh, and it's really crazy. These AI chatbots are getting so good. They're, they're able to mimic human speech. Are they so good? Writing. Or does this confirm that all universities are creating are indistinguishable from robots? Oh, like that's just Aha. how bad things are. That's a really good take. And last but not leastly, if you haven't seen the new Velma show... Uh, that's uh, off of Scooby-Doo. It is so awful. It's received a so 1.3 out of bad. 10 on IMDb, making it so. the third worst reviewed TV program ever. We will be back in just a minute. I'm Tony Kennett. This is Ethan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. At your filling in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz Today. On the level, on the go, and on WIBC.com. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the third and final hour of your guest host filling in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today. I am your bohemian codger, Ethan Hatcher, and the vivacious Tony Kinnett. You're really going to stick with that. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) The bohemian, what? Bohemian codger. A person of artistic... An eccentric taste is, is basically that's that's the short. Uh, of it. it sounds like you need to be shoved in a locker. That's all. <laughs> well, I've we've got a there, lot. I've been there before, Tony. Why do you think I skipped and just went straight to college? I didn't want to have the misery of grade school bullying. That's fair. Well, speaking of things that are about to get a whole lot more fair, Ted Cruz is entering the fray, bringing the heat on to the, the Biden classified document scandal. He calls on uh, the Department of Justice to search new locations 
Uh, he's reacting, of course, to the FBI's discovery of six new classified, quote unquote, items during a 12 hour search Friday of President Joe Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home. Uh, on and Ted was talking about this on his popular podcast, The Verdict, which is a very good listen if you haven't actually stepped aside to listen to a few episodes. They're great. Following the search, Biden's attorney Bob Bauer said in a statement that several of the items dated back, but it dated back to Biden's days in the Senate. So it's like way, way back there. That's ancient Been times. Sitting on them for years. And if you're talking about crimes in ter- in a uh, matter of degrees, like Donald Trump just left office. He took classified documents with him and disputed with the National Archives about their classification status. Like that's fair. And because he was, just he thought they were cool. He just he thought, thought they were cool. Well, that's that's slightly <laughs> just, different just because great. those were the document folders. Anyway, so like that was what a couple weeks couple months biden's sitting on this crap for years and it's gone unchecked and ted cruz like you said on his podcast the verdict thinks he has a beat on where the department of justice should search next because these things are everywhere they're in the library they're in the garage they're in his office and perhaps at the university you don't take a classified document with you because you know it is a criminal offense to do that well, let's talk about uh, one other aspect of this, Senator, that I think a lot of people are asking this question now. It's a theory that I, I posed to you, I think, what, two weeks ago now. And I uh, said, is this the Democrats offloading their useful idiot in Joe Biden that's no longer useful because there doesn't seem to be as many on TV now and Democrats out there that no, are really— No, no, de- no, 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 no. I think, I think we, we got— Somehow we got the, the wrong audio mixed up there. But the, the, the clip that I was seeking of Ted Cruz was where he suggested that the uh, Department of Justice should begin searching the archives of the University of Delaware because they are sitting on boxes of documents dating back to Biden's time as a Senate senator. Um, he turned them all over. Uh, after he had exited that office. But the audio that was played actually brings an interesting perspective here. It's not one that I'm necessarily on board with yet. The idea that the Democrats are kind of allowing this to come forward because they find him to be kind of a useful idiot, a patsy, to get him out of the way for consideration into the 2024 election. I think that really that's too much work you don't have to go through this entire process to make biden a a, a no a no touching kind of candidate for the 2024 election and untouchable that was the term i was i was searching for yeah deep cut like that reference thank you when realistically uh they could just point to the fact that he is an aging and decrepit fossil who's honestly you know six hours this side of the coffin so I'm interested in seeing how this unfolds. Obviously, I want to see the Department of Justice carry through the same level of scrutiny that they carried forward uh, for President Trump and that same condemnation, because I think that's fair. We began the show and you had disputed the seriousness of the classified document scandal, you know, sort of saying that this on the scheme of things in uh, political scandals is rather unimportant. And to a certain degree, I agree with your assertion that there's more leeway which can be given to the highest executives because of the nature 
of their responsibilities. Right. So, That's you know, not my central point, but that is yeah, is one of the pillars. Yes. And, and the frequency with which they're handling these classified materials. But there's less leeway that you can give to Senator Joe Biden coming away with these documents when they are more stringently handled at that level, or they're supposed to be, as was alluded to by also Democratic Senator Dick Durbin, who went on to say that it's unthinkable these classified documents would return home with a senator from a skiff. Let's play the audio and then we can get to your comment. Well, it's a good question, and I wish I knew the answer, but I will tell you, uh, when it comes to members of Congress and classified documents, uh, we go through an elaborate, careful process even to read one of these pieces of paper. Uh, and the thought of keeping them on our desk to get around to later or taking them home or out of the office is unthinkable at this level. Yeah. So I don't understand what has happened here. If that's the case, then I want every one of these class of if, if it is really true that they do take every single classified document extremely super de duper seriously and it is given the most utmost intense protection and care and that he's not just saying that on the air to make it sound super duper important then okay, uh, then I, I want to see that. I mean, how would you classify, cla or uh, how would you label uh, classified materials handled by the likes of Bradley Manning or Edward Snowden? Were these not insightful and important? Well, yeah, and I like that's, they, again, they, these were sensitive materials. There was a reason why they were punished, and we can debate the legitimacy of that. That's a separate issue, but we note how they were hand punished for handling classified. Materials. So the 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 point that I'm I'm bringing forward is 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 twofold. First of all, the idea of how are we classifying a document as classified. Um, how are we marking a document as top secret, not to be viewed by the public, not to be viewed by foreign powers, et cetera? And the second thing is, I am amazed that this is the thing that has caused the stir. Of all of the scandals, of all of the issues that have impacted everyday Americans, this is my point. This is the whole thing. This is it? This is it? The, the classified documents? I mean, yeah, I know we got Al Capone on tax evasion. I hear you. But I'm, I'm bringing to, to the public attention here. Of all of the things that Americans have been suffering through in the last two years of the Biden administration, all of the wacko policies, all of the unconstitutional moves by the bureaucrats that he put on his cabinet, this is what we're going to swing through the stained glass window. I agree with you, but just playing devil's advocate here, I think that the administration can sort of defer economic activities like inflation or high prices as something that happens in all administrations. Inflation has happened under Republicans and Democrats. Recessions have happened under Republicans and Democrats. I was so more discussing the, the administration's censorship policies over the last couple of years throughout the, the COVID pandemic. That, to me, at least in a lot of people in the, the millennial generation, as well as kind of the, the southern, the more recent half of Generation X, have a serious amount of concern over the, the administration's COVID policies, uh, and as well as the Trump administration's COVID policies. This really shook the nation to the core and what they can order. And I think that, that senators and representatives are preening and posturing about this. And I agree with Senator Cruz. I, I'm, I'm on his side in that area. I'm just wondering, where was this level of outrage over firing our servicemen and women? Where was this level of outrage at the time over shutting down schools, causing massive amounts of learning loss, over censoring private citizens on social media platforms because they didn't have the 
approved opinions trademark. That's what really irks me. I specific, I agree with you. Those are extremely important to mention, but I, I also brought up the economy because it ties into how the administration is currently posturing by essentially ignoring the pressures being faced by average Americans. Like we mentioned earlier in the show, the price of eggs right now, just the price of goods generally hammering your pocketbook at the smallest level. And the Biden administration claiming on the one hand that farmers and our agricultural sector is thriving, but when you talk to individuals at the local level they disagree and this was an interview on fox business between wheat farmers in uh, uh, kansas after biden made this proclamation on friday secretary of agriculture tom vilsack a former mayor in iowa is strengthening our nation's rural communities but what he's doing american grocery stores are stocked while american farmers thrive and our young people have access to food when schools are closed so, do the farmers agree? Let's ask Kansas wheat farmers Vance and Louise Emke. Thanks to the both of you for being here. Vance, is that your experience? Are you thriving right now? Well, uh, you know, we've just been through a uh, super cycle. We're at the end of it. Uh, we had uh, virtually uh, windfall profits, and uh, now the uh, party is uh, just darn near over. We're getting ready to go into uh, survival mode. So, what does survival mode mean, Vance? <laughs> Well, that means if you don't need it, don't buy it, uh, pay down debt, don't buy anything, uh, you know, like uh, land because it's at the, uh, the peak of the market. Uh, this is quite a ride. Uh, you know, we had uh, going into this, like with uh, wheat prices, we had uh, 4 to $5 wheat, and then they quadrupled. They went up to uh, $13 a bushel, and then uh, for uh, a number of uh, reasons, and now they've collapsed back down to uh, cost of production. So, uh, so what you have here is an obfuscation of reality by the administration, and I don't think the people are buying it. Well, it's it's very difficult to to take a situation in which the president tries to speak for the average individual who works in an industry and say everything is fine. It's easy for a president to get up in front of the country and say, at the corporate level, at the head level of, of these economic sectors, things are fine, because then it's, it's really difficult for the average employee to contest that. However, when the president makes a case for the entire agricultural industry, average everyday farmers that are the backbone of this country in many different ways are very easy to look at the checkbook. They're easy, it's very easy for them to look at the grain silos. It's easy for them to look at the fields and tell you exactly what is going on. Very few minds in this country are as articulate or as scrupulous to every single detail as the American farmer. They know what's going on with the economy, with the price of this on any given day in this specific market. If a farmer looks at me and says, we're entering into survival mode, that is a more broad damnation of the current economic system than anything the Biden administration could put forward or their mouthpieces at the at the apparatchiks and the Democratic Party. Hakeem Jeffries proudly proclaiming that the Biden economy is working out and is experience, we've experienced nothing but growth since he's taken office. And in fact, didn't you know, Tony, inflation is down. Here's the Biden track record on the economy. Economic growth is up, inflation is down. Wages are up, gas prices down. If you ask the American people whether they're going to believe the Democrat minority leader or the farmers who put food on your table, I think we all know the answer to that question. It's the laborers. It's the citizenry.
not the politicians so that make the world. There, there's a second thing that really helps out the, the the farmer in this case that we're making, and that is that you can go to the store right now. You can go to the pump right now and and fact check the answers yep. based on prices from two to three years ago. From three years ago. You look before the COVID pandemic hit, what were prices around the board and prices on goods, on services were incredibly low. They were at a, a strangely low point for this economic period in the American economic sectors across the board from energy to agriculture to food production, et cetera. And now uh, we're looking at, you know, Hakeem coming forward and and kind of mumbling into the microphone like Pelosi did. He really hit a masterclass. He sounds like Pelosi and says, well, inflation is down. Not true. Everyone knows it's not true, but he's just going to say that over and over again until people start to believe it, I guess. It's a, it's a bold strategy. Uh, we'll have to see how it works out for him. I think the Democratic Party will discover that obfuscation is not the solution to the problems facing the citizenry, and they're going to respond accordingly at the ballot box. Uh, we will see. We'll see. I think so but we'll find out in 2024. Thanks for listening to Tony Katz today. Stay tuned. Ethan Hatcher and Tony Kennett filling in. Go. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm Ethan Hatcher joined by Tony Kennett. Together we're filling in for Tony Katz. Tony, I wanted to start this segment with a story that actually has personal proximity to me. Uh, it began while I was at the radio station Last Sunday afternoon when I saw a news story flash across my social media feed about yet another shooting on the east side of Indianapolis at the 4800 block of East Michigan, literally walking distance from where I live. Unfortunately, a common occurrence. What differentiated this is it happened to one of the tenants who rented from me at my house. Um, the, the gunfire and attempted robbery shocked neighbors on Sunday afternoon when the man who lived in the apartment uh, was shot to death on the sidewalk next to his Cadillac in front of the home, the Marion County Coroner's Office, identifying the victim as 50-year-old William Henry Tootle III. I've met him personally and interacted with him several times. He's been a tenant for a couple years now. Wonderful guy, upstanding member of the community who kept to himself, worked a decent job, paid his bills on time, and did everything that you were supposed to, gunned down in the street by these lawless thugs, which, which, are, which are enabled by this lackluster, feckless mayor and the... I can't use the words that I want to use uh, regarding the prosecutor. It's a common occurrence today. Yeah, Ryan Mears uh, in the city of Indianapolis. But they're they're going to once again likely let these perpetrators out on a light bail if they catch up to them at all. The suspects had ran north down the alleyway after the shooting occurred, and I really want to zero in on something that I don't know. It hurts me. It disturbs me. I think it's indicative of the decay that we find our that we're living through in the city. But according to Pastor Clark, who's the pastor at a church almost across the street diagonally from where the house is situated on East Michigan, said, from what I understand, he was a pretty quiet guy and goes to and from work. And they, meaning the thugs, were pretty upset at that fact. The thugs and the miscreants of the neighborhood, the delinquents allowed to run rampant by the Hogshead administration were upset because this guy was an upstanding member of society who paid his bills and took care of his property. 
That was his that was his crime. And Ryan Mears doubtlessly is going to bill the, the the perpetrators of this atrocity as the real victims of society here. Oh, you poor things. You've been mishandled, and that's why you've been led to this life of crime. And it's resulted in the death of somebody who didn't deserve to go that way. It it bugs me. And the fact that it happened to one of my tenants to just literally down the street from where I live brings home the state that the city is currently in. And it's not on the right track. I, what was that? That was a poll that Abdul had uh, conducted in his potential quest for the mayor's office of Indianapolis, which, uh, Mr. Shabazz, if you're listening, I wish you all the luck in the world because the, the leadership at the mayoral level is resulting in fatalities across the city. It's disturbing. I, I don't know any other way to put it. It's, it's really depressing to come to the conclusion uh, that uh, the American culture has begun an inevitable decline. It has. It, it, is, it is not producing anything of net value at this point. It is in a state of decline, and that's depressing to come to terms with. What is worse is seeing the impact of that decline on individuals who have done everything right, who have been a good and a positive factor in what should be the American culture, what we prized for so long and we've thrown aside. And it doesn't just hurt those who are out campaigning for uh, you know, the return to a traditional value set in the American cultures. Instead, what we have seen is a slew of innocent people who just want to go about their lives gunned down by fools who are by who are being shielded, as you said, by cowards like Hogsett and Mears, who are more interested in in painting these miraculous progressive canvases rather than addressing cultural issues that plague Indianapolis citizens. It's it's despicable, and it's not only affecting uh, individuals like uh, the the man who was who was shot in in your neighborhood, but a ten year old boy was taken to the hospital after a shooting early Saturday morning. Also on Indianapolis's east side. According to the IMPD, the boy was hurt after shots were fired from outside the residence on the 4100 block of East 21st Street just before 2 a.m. Police said multiple people were inside the house when the incident took place. The boy was hit by the gunfire while he was asleep. When is enough enough, Hogset? Mears, when, when are you going to quit covering for these cowardly thugs? When? Unfortunately, that 10-year-old boy, he's currently in stable condition. He didn't lose his life. But one of the things I'm thinking of in the case of, the case of William, I walked into his apartment after the shooting had occurred, you know, just to make sure everything was locked up and secure. And he had set down his food right before he went outside and then, and then lost his life. And I just think it's incredibly disgusting. He didn't even get to have a last meal, man. We, That's, it's not fair from somebody who, who was a responsible member of the community. No, it's not the way. No, this should have, it should have ended. It wasn't. We will be back in just a few minutes. Uh, stay tuned. You are listening to Tony Katz today, guest host today with Tony Kinnett and Ethan Hatcher. Good afternoon, and welcome back to. Tony Katz today. I am Tony Kennett with Ethan Hatcher today. We are filling in for the incredible Tony Katz. And we have to say that contractually so uh, we get paid at the end of 
the day. We've got some interesting Indiana stories coming up in this segment, Ethan. I got to tell you, the Indiana gubernatorial race heating up. And I am... What a bunch of goobers. Underwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> I am just underwhelmed. Well, we have uh, Suzanne Crouch, uh, the current right hand of High Tax Holcomb. We have Mike Braun, the outsider office hopper. And finally, Eric Dulden, the businessman. I'm just... I mean, I, I'm, I don't need to have like a big flashy governor. Originally, when Holcomb was elected, I was kind of okay with it. I had heard very little about him. He seemed kind of quiet. And then he turned out to be a huge disappointment. Uh, so in in the Basically case Basically a Democrat. Well, yeah. <laughs> Heading to the 2024, uh, the current lieutenant governor, Suzanne Crouch, has the most cash on hand in a three-way race for governor. Um, but uh, Mike Braun, uh, the U.S. senator, is currently out raising her and businessman Eric Doden according to campaign finance filings last week. Is he outraising her, though? Is he outraising her, though? Because she's got a contribution of $900,000 from uh, multiple contributions, whereas his highest is from Hoosier Pack at $500,000, and most of his $2.2 million war chest accrued so far is funded from his own campaign contributions. So he's bringing that infinite money to the table with his already established war chest. And I think Braun has got a definitive advantage. Braun's going to be race. the nominee. I'm yeah. sorry, that's it. And the well, reason, well, there, there could be an outside I, dark I horse candidate to come in. You don't Doden, know? Doden has a shot. Does, I think, a shot. Ow. A shot. I, that's just my take of the situation. But I think Braun has it. And the biggest thing going up against Crouch is that Crouch does not have a personality presence after in the suge campaign. After suggesting that teachers are better than everybody else and should get a specially uh, carved out tax exemption from the state. That's his headline uh, uh, platform position. I'm I'm so, only making I'm like I just said a shot I said a small I'm gonna okay. say front runner okay. I still think it's Braun okay. I'm making the case Fair that enough. I think Braun is the only one of the three candidates that has a personality. Oh, that's a stretch. He's kind he's he's like the vanilla senator. Yep. And when he does it, it what does that say he, about the other two candidates that the vanilla ice cream is better than tap water? I'm it's just okay. the case. I'm yep. sorry. Yep. And yep. I, I've Fair talked. Point. Oh, I've, you've contextualized. I know. I I've understand. talked to Lieutenant Governor Crouch a lot of times. She's very nice. I I really enjoy talking to her. I do not think that she has the capacity of leadership for governor. And I mean that very honestly. And that's not an insult. I don't think that she has the capacity to lead the state of Indiana. Well, regardless of her capacity, you couldn't convince me to support somebody who stood silent while the governor I, shut down the state. And that's it. And that's it. I have never seen one iota of leadership from her ever, period, ever. Well, it She's is just my there. duty to support the, the, the government. Terrible yeah. impression, zero out of ten. <laughs> and with that... I have to look to Braun. Braun's only thing that is anchoring him down is when he absolutely goobered his way through a contextual question about uh, whether he thought the states should decide uh, whether a gay marriage should be legal or interracial marriage should be legal. And all you have to say is, I do not think marriage should be anything regulated by the government. Marriage should have nothing to do with the government. There should be no point ever. That's all he had to say. Instead, he said, yeah, I think that it should be a state's issue like everything should be a state's issue. We should overturn Loving versus and Virginia. He, Whoa, he no, tripped Senator. over that accidentally. Don't do and that. that. That will hurt him in a, in a general gubernatorial election, but he'll still win. 
Uh, do you really think that's going to there? I mean, they're going to dig out the clip, but it was obvious it was a blunder. Then he immediately walked it back. It's not one of the. Oh, it doesn't matter. You you should know okay, on social yep. media as well as anyone. It is the initial blunder that will kill you no matter how much you walk it back. This was a story which had debuted on uh, the Daily Signal um, about Counselor Kathy McCord here in uh, uh, Indiana at Pendleton Heights High School. Um, she had been dismissed, terminated uh, following the leaking of this, what is that, gender support plan. Now, you, you've you kind of got the beat on this story. Tell us more about it, Tony. Yeah, so to give everyone kind of a little bit of a background on this, a couple of months ago, there was an email that was uh, leaked by parents out to the general community uh, in which a counselor, Kathy McCord, uh, had been asked by Pendleton to send this email in which she told teachers, look, we do not want you telling the child's parents that they've transitioned, that they're using different pronouns, uh, and we don't want you to tell parents about gender support plan. Hide it from the parents, basically, was the email. And so we reached out to Kathy McCord, and she says, I absolutely hate this policy. It's terrible. It's wrong. And uh, there are dozens of emails like this sent out. And then she also shared with us the blank gender support plan that the school had on file. Parents were understandably very upset about this. There was actually a teacher that resigned in protest in part to this policy. And uh, a lot of parents went and demanded answers from a school board where, and this was hilarious to watch, uh, Superintendent Mark Hall and then school board president Joel Sandifer both admit to and deny having a gender support plan and then blame having a gender support plan on the U.S. Department of Agriculture's fair nutrition non-discrimination policy, <laughs> um, which says that you Great can't refuse out. giving someone food for any reason. So that was beautifully just garbage. What? I was actually watching that meeting while I had COVID, and now they have placed her on leave pending termination, that counselor being Kathy McCord, the whistleblower. Let, let us ponder um, for a moment the the state of this gender support plan and how con- counterproductive it is to the welfare of children. How many lives of children have been improved from lack of parental involvement? And the school is seeking to cut off vital information from the parents of these children, putting a wedge between their offspring and the parents. That's not going to serve children well. Lack of parental involvement? No, 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 no. I don't believe it personally that the administration is trying to trans the kids. Uh, I don't believe that. I think that they've received really bad legal advice from their very progressive, openly LGBTQ advocate legal counsel that they hired from Church Churchill and Antrim over in Indianapolis, which is a terrible, terrible law firm. And that was a bad mistake on the South Madison Community School Corporation's part. That said... I think that it's humorous that the administration likes to claim it's a very simple, oh, it's it's simple, we're doing this importantly, but yet they feel the need to hide it. They won't talk to any media, not just the Daily Signal. They won't talk to the Herald Bulletin and Anderson. They won't talk to the Indy Star. They've refused talking to Fox 59. They've refused talking to channels 6 and 8. They won't talk to anyone because they're cowards. <laughs> They're cowards. Because they've been caught. Because what was in the dark has been brought to the light. There is a man who is leading the Pendleton Heights high school and there is a superintendent that is leading the south madison community school corporation that does not have the competence to address a controversy in a way that will benefit the community and he has acted in a manner that now he feels is the best thing for him to do moving forward is to fire the counselor that acted as a whistleblower you're pathetic it's pathetic i 
I am embarrassed on his behalf, and I'm the one who broke the story, that there would be a man thinking he's doing something for the community, when in reality, he has harmed... The staff are terrified. Um, staff who have refused to go um, public, they're, they're, they've asked to remain anonymous for good reason, considering that Kathy was, is being axed as we speak, that say there's now a culture of fear from teachers and principals and counselors at, in Pendleton not because of us at the Daily Signal, but they're afraid that Hall's going to come fire them for saying that they don't like any of his policies. This is how bass-ackwards the situation at schools have become when teachers are... This is Pendleton, Indiana. This isn't California. This isn't Loudoun County, Virginia. This is rural Indiana. Eastern, central, red Indiana, where you have this kind of garbage going on. When teachers are fearful of administrators for providing uh, support to parents and resources to parents, there's something drastically wrong with your scholastic community. And there are progressive advocates that are on the side of Kathy McCord here. In fact, so far, what we have understanding of is that the Indiana State Teachers Association is also on Kathy McCord's side in this situation. If the ISTA, the teachers union that I despise the most, and myself, the conservative education journalist are on the same side in a situation it has to be a pretty common sense answer and that's what we have here it is embarrassing that they would be doing that. and by the way everyone around like in a large radius at, at neighboring schools knows that kathy mccord is one of the sweetest most dedicated counselors that has ever served the local community in madison county in she has a reputation of being a wonderful, hardworking counselor who just wants to help kids and families. What she does not want to do is hide things from parents that will result, according to the data, in the suicides of children without parents having any knowledge of mental illness of that child. And now teachers providing support to parents are being punished under this administration. Yeah, you're a whistleblower. You're going to get... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Fired for it. Yep. You're listening to Tony Katz today. Stay tuned for more. I did want to get into this bill, which has been introduced by Senator Jeff Rates of Richmond, Senate Bill 380, which would empower school administrations to enforce dress codes. Now, supposedly, this is to address the furries issue in school, where it's alleged that students are acting like animals, including bringing litter boxes to school. But it should be noted, it's not been verified anywhere in the state of Indiana. Yeah, I hear about this from parents all the time, and this this frustrates me personally as an education journalist, because I believe that there are enough things going on around the state without us having to invent things. Now, hold on a second, because... Furries are a very weirdly obsessed thing in the state of Indiana. We talked about this before the show, and we'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> Furries are weird and disturbing and very, very hypersexualized on the internet. It is very disturbing. It's all, a thing. It's, all it's a online thing. communities regarding furries, which is where someone dresses up in an animal costume, multicolored, very weird, very just disturbing. I mean, let's be honest. It's the internet generally. I'm sure you're it familiar is. It, it with is. Rule 34. Nothing uh, yes. is sacred. It's, Nothing. It's Not horrible. one single thing. Absolutely. And within all of these things... I'm okay with schools having a dress code. I am. I, sure. I'm okay with schools having a dress code. Again, that's the traditional conservative And that's out. all this bill just, does, is just it. empower these admin, these uh, administrations to have a dress code. I love the preening and the posturing from Chalkbeat, Indiana. Oh, the horror. Oh, it's going after the furries. It's not even a real problem. But okay. if it's not okay. a real problem, then... Why not let the bill pass? There we go. 
then okay. who cares if furries aren't a problem like, it's like again we're gonna ban critical race theory in school oh it's not taught in schools cool then it won't mass matter if we uh, pass this bill then and then they freak out although it should be noted and we did discuss this before the show in Pornhub's 2022 year in review according to the United States top relative search terms now those are terms searched more often in each state when compared to all others so, so for example the state of utah the the biggest porn hub search is for mormon, mormon porn, porn which makes sense because utah uh, in Illinois, it's dirty talk. So we're going to move on past this rather uncomfortable section to talk about the furries because... In Indiana, we tied... We tied with, with Oregon, Oregon for furries. Porn is the number one search <laughs> on Pornhub when compared, Porn Hub, when to, compared other to other states with the state of Indiana. So for all of the people that like to say, oh, furries aren't a problem in the state of Indiana, apparently Indiana and Oregon are the two states that are most obsessed the, with the, po the porn ads. hub year in review I, begs to differ and this is the official data folks degenerates official. all degenerates can horrible you can you believe former uh, vice president mike pence used to sit in this very chair and he blushes when anybody shows some ankle let alone furry porn hey i i love <laughs> i love i love both mike and karen so watch your step you're listening to tony katz today ethan hatcher and tony kennett filling in Ethan Hatcher, Tony Kinnett, together we're filling in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today and laughing our way out of the studio because before we go, I just got to break this tweet from the Associated Press style book. And guys, man, have we got to get a new style book. These people are a joke. And being an investigative journalist yourself, Master Kinnett, I thought you'd get a real kick out of the tweet. You want to read it for us? Oh, yeah, because I have to use the AP style guide when I'm <laughs> writing reports. So the AP style book tweeted this out, and they said, we recommend avoiding general and often dehumanizing the labels, such as the poor, the mentally ill, the French, <laughs> the disabled, the college educated. Instead, use wording such as people with mental illnesses and use these descriptions only when clearly relevant. And then, so the internet like lost their minds over this because it was hilarious. It was great. And so they tweeted a few hours later, the use of quote, the French quote in this tweet by AP was inappropriate and has caused unintended <laughs> offense. An updated tweet is incoming. I love it. Oh, dude. Indefinite I, articles. They're so insensitive. The French. Ah, yes. The, the ultimate. Oh, oui, oui. I feel offended. <laughs> I love it. It's great. The, the woke train has gone so far over the cliff that, like, we, we're hitting, like, we're going over a separate cliff at the bottom of the first cliff. It's beyond all understandable that, sense. That is pretty point. great. They threw them all in the same category. The poor, the disabled, the mentally ill, the French. The French. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fantastic. I love it. So this came today. They, 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 can't, they can't quit apologizing for it. They said, we deleted an earlier so tweet because of an appropriate reference to French people. <laughs> yes, French people, the next stripe on the pride flag. Oh, Writing French goodness. people, French citizens, etc., is good. But the terms for any people can sound dehumanizing and imply a monolith rather than diverse individuals. Okay, I... <laughs> Speaking of diverse individuals, we've got some more judicial nominees, uh, you know, really diversifying the pack this time. Oh, good. Uh, uh, Biden judicial nominee, Charnel Bjelkengren, 
I believe is how I'm pronoun- pronouncing. I probably butchered her last name. Okay. I, I apologize, Charnel. Uh, but she was being queried uh, by Senator Kennedy of, uh, 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 during the process, and it gave her some very basic questions about the Constitution, something a member of the Justice Department should be yeah, familiar judicial with. judicial should know you'd th- uh, you'd think, the Constitution. Here's how she answered. Judge, on the far end, uh, tell, tell me what Article 5 of the Constitution does. Article 5 is not coming to mind at the moment. Oh. Okay. How about Article 2? <laughs> Article 2. So in, in, in this situation, I think oh, we're, oh, we're uh, going to have to close it off because we're running, we're running out of time here today. Do you today. know what purposivism is? No. Oh, it's Um, harmful. In my 12 years as an assistant attorney general and my nine years serving as a judge, I was not faced with that precise question. (laughs) So it's incredibly pathetic, again, how far we have fallen that we are more interested in a judge's organs, her reproductive organs and the color of her skin, rather than what she is aware of. I'm not even saying being well-versed in the Constitution, just being aware of the different parts of your job. It's like someone asking me with a, what a paragraph is. I, come on, man. That's your trade. So, yeah, these are basic definitions. I mean, hell, a lot of people carry around a pocket constitution. Can you imagine you, finding you, out that she's your judge? We, you find <laughs> Oh, no. And... Oh, and with that, uh, we are finally now coming to the end Bring of the a, show to a great close. day. And we didn't even get to all the topics we have in the list, man. There was so much good stuff to cover. I had a great time, Tony. It's been fun filling in with Absolutely. You. It always is. Thank you guys for listening today. I am Tony Kinnett. Joining me is Ethan Hatcher. And this has been Tony Katz Today. Today.